Chapter 19 of Rufus and Rose, or The Fortunes of Rough and Ready. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Chapter 19 In a Trap Our hero's first impulse on finding himself entrapped was to escape. He sprang towards the door, but Martin quickly grasped him by the arm and forced him back. "'No, you don't,' he said with emphasis. "'I want you to stay with me.' "'Let me go!' exclaimed Rufus, struggling to escape. "'Sorry I couldn't oblige you,' said Martin with a grin. "'Can't you stay with your sick father a few days?' "'You've played me a mean trick,' said Rufus indignantly. "'What was you walking through this street for?' asked Martin. "'Wasn't it because you wanted to see me?' "'Yes,' answered our hero. "'Well, you've got what you wanted,' said Martin, smiling maliciously. "'I knowed you'd never find me if I didn't send out for you. "'Was there anything particular you wished to say to me?' "'Yes,' said Rufus bluntly. "'I want you to give me back that tin box you stole from me the other day.' "'What do I know about any tin box?' asked Martin, "'not knowing it had been spoken of by Humpy in the street. "'You needn't deny it, Mr. Martin.' The boy you sent after me told me you took it. He did, did he? said Martin, seeing that he must try another track. Well, supposing I did. What then? The law may have something to say. You'll stand a chance of going to Sing Sing for a few years. You'd have to prove I took it, said Martin uneasily. I only told the boy to say so. So's to get you in here. I read about the robbery in the papers. I recognized you at the time, and am ready to swear to you, said Rufus firmly. This was rather imprudent, for it made Martin even more determined to prevent our hero's escape. If that's your game, he said, I'll see you don't get a chance to swear to any lies. What do you mean to do with me? demanded Rufus. I ain't decided yet, said Martin. Your health's so delicate that I don't think it'll agree with you to go out in the street. Are you going to confine me here? maybe said his stepfather i shan't charge you nothing for board your cheerful company'll pay me for that mr martin said rufus i've got a proposition to make you go ahead and make it then you've got yourself into a scrape about that tin box i thought you was the one that had gotten into a scrape said martin jocularly so i have but mine is of a different kind from yours you run the risk of going to prison and you're in prison already said Martin with a grin. Seems to me I've got the best of it so far. Perhaps you have, but I wouldn't exchange with you for all that. Now I've got a proposition to make. That's what you said before. If you will restore the tin box and let me go free, I'll see that you are not arrested for what you've done. You're very kind, said Martin, but that won't pay me for my trouble. If I'll get you out of your present danger? I don't know about that. Supposing I was to do as you say, the first thing you'd do after you got out would be to set the cops on me. No, I wouldn't. I'd go to prison first myself. This proposition had some effect upon Martin. He realized that he was in danger and felt that he had been very poorly paid for his risk and trouble. He was inclined to believe Rufus would keep his word, but he also knew that matters had gone too far. Smith, he was sure, would not consent to any such arrangement and without him he could do nothing. Besides, it was a satisfaction to him to feel that he had Rufus in his power, and he had no desire to lose that advantage by setting him free. 
Tyrant and bully as he was by nature, he meant to gratify his malice at our hero's expense. I couldn't do it, Rufus, he said. There's another man in it, and he's got the box. Rufus looked sharply at Martin to ascertain if he was speaking the truth. He decided that it was as his stepfather stated, and, if this was the case, he would have more than one enemy to deal with. Does the other man live here? he asked. Maybe he does. Maybe he doesn't. Who is he? Maybe it's the Emperor of China, and maybe it isn't. What would you give to know? Not much, said Rufus, assuming an indifferent tone. You're the man that took the box. That's enough for me. He put me up to it, said Martin unguardedly. I thought Martin wasn't smart enough to plan the robbery himself, said Rufus to himself. He resolved to appear indifferent to this information in the hope of learning more. You can settle that among yourselves, he said quietly. If you consented to do it, you're as much to blame as he. At this moment, Smith, influenced by curiosity, opened the door and entered. This is my undutiful son, Mr. Smith, said Martin. So his name's Smith, thought Rufus. I wonder whether it's his real name or a false one. I'm glad to see you, young man, said Smith. So you've called to see your father? He isn't my father. You see how undutiful he is, said Martin. He won't own me. We'll teach him to be more dutiful before we get through with him, said Smith. Mr. Smith, said Rufus, I'm not here of my own accord. I dare say you know that. But as long as I am here, I'd like to ask if you know anything about a tin box that was taken from me the other day by Mr. Martin. By your father? By Mr. Martin, said Rufus, determined not to admit the relationship. What should I know about it? Mr. Martin tells me, though he took it, somebody else set him to do it. I thought you might be the one. Did you say that? demanded Smith, looking angrily at Martin. I was only fooling, returned Martin, who began to think he had made a blunder. It's my belief that you're a fool, retorted Smith. You'd better be careful what you tell your son. Young man, turning to Rufus, as to the tin box you speak of, I can tell you nothing. Your father says that he has recovered some property which you stole from him a while since, and I suppose that may be the tin box you referred to. That isn't true. It belonged to Mr. Turner, my employer, or rather to a customer of his. That's nothing to me. Mr. Martin boards with me, and as long as he pays for his board, I don't want to pry into his affairs. If he has taken a tin box from you, I presume he had a better right to it than you had. Are you going to bring your son down to dinner, Mr. Martin? I guess he had better eat his victuals up here, said Martin. Just as you say. I can send Humpy with them. We shall have dinner in about an hour. All right, I'll go down now if my dutiful son can spare me. As Rufus did not urge him to stay, Martin left the room with Smith, taking care to lock the door after him. What's the boy's name? asked Smith abruptly. Rufus. He's smart. I can tell that by his looks. Yes. He's smart enough, said Martin hesitatingly, but he's as obstinate as a pig. Likes to have his own way, eh? That's what he does. He'd make a good boy for our business, said Smith musingly. Martin shook his head. It wouldn't do, he said. Why not? He wants to be honest, said Martin contemptuously. We couldn't trust him. Then there's only one thing to do. What's that? We must keep him close. We mustn't on any account allow him to escape. 
I'll look after that, said Martin, nodding. I've had hard work enough to get hold of him. He won't get away in a hurry. If he does, you'll be arrested. And you too, suggested Martin. Why should I? Didn't you put me up to taking the box? And haven't you taken half of what was in it? Look here, said Smith menacingly. You'd better stop that. You've already told the boy more than you ought. If you are taken through your own carelessness, mind what you are about and don't split on me. If you do, it'll be the worst day's work you ever did. Imprisonment isn't the worst thing that can happen to a man. Martin understood what his confederate meant, and the intended effect was produced. He began to think that Smith was a desperate man, incapable of murdering him, or instigating his murder in case of treachery. This made him feel rather uneasy, in spite of his capture of Rufus. Meanwhile, our hero, left to himself, began to examine the apartment in which he was confined. The door had been locked by Martin, as we have already said. This was the only mode of exit from the apartment, except what was afforded by two windows. Rufus walked to them and looked out. The room was in the back part of the house, and these windows looked out into a backyard. He could see rear portions of the house on a parallel street, and speculated as to the chances of escape this way. As the room was only on the second floor, the distance to the ground was not great. He could easily swing off the windowsill without injury, though he knew it would not be well to attempt escape now when Martin and Smith were doubtless on the lookout. He thought he would open the window softly and take a survey. He tried one window, but could not raise it. He tried the other, with like want of success. He thought at first the difficulty lay in their sticking, but, on closer examination, he ascertained that both were firmly fastened by nails, which accounted for their being immovable. End of chapter 19 Recording by Valentina Vicelli